If you're out of town, but still rep the brown, this is the show for you. Welcome to the Faraway Friars podcast, available on Spotify and wherever you're listening. Here's Beso and Omar. Hey, it's your boy, Omar. <laughs> and I'm Beso. We're recording on April 28th, just after the Padres tied the series with the Diamondbacks winning the game 12-3 to in a blowout. The Padres lost game one pretty handily, and then they just kept racking up runs here. I came home, and it was 7-3, and uh, Jorge Mateo hit his first Major League home run to make it from 10-3 to 12-3. We also saw a great highlight that robbed Fernando Tatis Jr. of a homer in the inning prior. You watched as well, Omar? Uh yeah, uh, I didn't catch the beginning of the game. I was uh I was getting dubs on Warzone, but I I came in second or third inning, right as the D-backs scored those first two runs. So you know, I, I I went through it all. You know, the rough start, then the crazy uh fourth fifth inning where we just opened the game wide open. A really great triple for Manny Machado to uh score three runs which is really good. We did a good job loading the bases as well, getting single after single. Uh, and then, yeah, we just rolled on from there. Just get keep getting runs. And, you know, uh, Jake Cronenworth and uh, Jorge, Jorge Mateo, right? Yes, Jorge Mateo. Yeah, uh, yeah, both of those guys, you know, getting really good homers uh, today, uh, especially um, Jake Cronenworth puts off a pinch hit. He wasn't even supposed to uh, play today because it was his off day. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff today. I'm looking at the box score here, and the Padres went with a very um, a large group of pitchers. They didn't have like a full-on starter today, did they? Yeah, so Weathers, uh, he got pulled, I want to say around the second. He was, uh, The reason why is because his pitch velocity, uh, usually he's around uh, 94, 95. He was at 93 to start off the game. So they, so our staff recognized that, and they pulled him out as a precaution. Uh, so far, they said that he has left arm soreness, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but we're not sure fully what it is yet. You know, we'll we'll probably find out more information tomorrow, especially with the off day. You know, enough time to evaluate him. Well, the pods certainly don't need that. That's that's a worrying thought. And when you when you hear about arm soreness. You say, oh, well, that makes sense. He's a pitcher. He's always throwing. But now you, you always think of the worst possible case scenario. And he, he's been doing very well. Uh, Ryan Weathers, he pitched in both Dodger series. I, if I remember correctly, you went to game one of that series. How was it? Yes, I did. Uh, it was pretty It was pretty crazy. Uh, so that was my first ever MLB game, like just in general. Uh, so me and, uh, some of my friends who were Dodger friends, ill, but we went to the game. Uh, we were sitting in, in the right field pavilion. Uh, and yeah, it was a pretty great experience. Uh, you know, um, obviously I I went with full Padres gear and everything, got to rip my team and, you know, I got a lot of hecklers, uh, but I heckled back, you know, and whenever my team did well. I talked trash whenever their team did well. I talked trash. It was all fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Dodger Stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, one of, it's one of the older parks 
uh, in in the whole league. But I'd say it's pretty good. It's it's definitely worth at least going there once. You know, just like any other uh, Emily Stadium. You know, the only problem is that uh, when I bought my tickets, they said Disneyland for some reason. I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. It was great. Okay, well, well, that's great to hear. Did you have any food? Did you eat any snacks there? How, uh, how are the concourses looking at Dodger Stadium? So me and my friends had food before the game because, you know, stadium prices are ridiculous. Uh, but I did try a world-famous Dodger dog. Okay. In my opinion, it's just a hot dog. Well, That's it. It's just a hot dog. <laughs> it's a good hot dog. You know, put some ketchup, you know, maybe some relish and mustard if you're into that. But it's a fucking hot dog. My my first interaction with Petco Park was a open house that the Padres had before it opened. And I remember having the worst hot dog I've ever had because it was like cold and slimy. Yeah. I've since had much better hot dogs at Padres games. Um, but I have heard of the legendary Dodgers dog. I've, of course, never had it before. So I'm not sure if it would hit me any different. But it, hot dogs are hot dogs at the end of the day, possibly. Yeah. That's your take anyway. <laughs> my my only problem... Okay, so I live near... I live closer to LA than I do San Diego. So I'm a lot more familiar with that city. And if there's one that thing that city is particularly known for is their LA dogs. Like if you ever go to a sporting event in LA or hell, just go to downtown LA. You'll see some guy uh in a in a dingy little like cart with a you know a frying pan on top cooking uh bacon wrapped hot dogs. Those are LA dogs right there and they're good. So good. And those what I found midnight, those are the midnight dogs that you get after a concert. Yeah, exactly. Like just it, for some reason, like even if you're like not hungry, you just have to get one because it's part of the experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I, it, it, like the Dodge dogs are not even bacon wrapped. Like, come on, bacon wrapped <laughs> is like the most American Same thing point. you could possibly do, and baseball is pretty American. So you gotta have bacon wrapped hot dogs. Is that so hard? That's pork wrapped in pork. Yeah, that is pretty American. Now that you think about it. Mm -hmm. I want one now. So the series concluded with the Padres winning three out of four. And of course, that means that the Padres now hold the lead in the season series, uh, winning four out of seven so far. Plenty more games between the Padres and Dodgers, but we can all take a breath. Oh, There's man. no more games until the end of June. So we got a full almost two months, I believe until there's any more games and it definitely felt intense it felt like a rivalry there was a little bit of drama a little bit of you know back and forth which is all of a sudden it's becoming a very common occurrence fernando tatis was just everywhere throughout the series hitting five home runs and becoming the first player in history to hit a homer at least one home run in three straight days at Dodger Stadium. Well, the first shortstop to ever do it, apparently. Uh, semantics. Yeah, that, that is a cherry-pick stat there. His, uh, his dad, Fernando Tati Sr., hit two grand slams, I believe. That was his claim to fame mm -hmm. at, at Dodger Stadium. 
So they both have, you know, a little footnote in LA now <laughs> uh, playing for opposing teams. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I love all the um, uh, the Tatis family now owns Dodger Stadium memes and all that. Yeah. It was really funny to see. <laughs> uh, I, I, is this like a, a a Griffey family versus the Yankees type of deal? Do the Tatises just hate Dodgers? I don't blame them, but like, come on. <laughs> uh, see, I don't think Fernando Tatis hates the Dodgers. I think Manny hates the Dodgers a little bit. Oh yeah, they. I mean, I they were heckling yeah. him all game. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Tatis Jr. hates the Dodgers. I think it's just uh, he's coming up really clutch and really uh, he's hitting really well against them this season so far. Well, if anything, uh, the Dodgers are starting to hate him, or at least the Dodger uh, Dodger fan base. Uh, I believe. I think it was when he hit his fifth home run. They they were just booing him. They didn't like him anymore. <laughs> well, that it's good to hear when your team, when your when your player does well, that so well that the other team's booing him. You know, I don't think any Padres have been, you know, good enough to be booed in in a very long time. Nobody ever booed, uh, you know, Tony or Trevor or any of the other great. Padres because they were I want to say they didn't show as much Tony didn't show as much emotion he was a well-loved guy across the whole league Tatis is a you know a young upstart guy and you can use whatever adjectives you want to use and he's showing you know a lot of emotion the Padres subreddit right now has a picture of him doing the eye patch uh, look when he started rounding the bases after hitting a home run, and that's you know a call off of Trevor Bauer, who during spring training had uh, I I I believe he struck out a batter with one eye closed. So it's a callback to that, kind of throwing a little bit of you know fun shade at Bauer in that same game. I believe he did like a smooth criminal, you know helmet shake thing that people saw and there's also a thing where uh there was a little bit of drama because trevor bauer accused tatis more or less of glancing at the catcher and seeing where he was setting up and possibly looking at the signs before getting a hit uh smooth criminal are you talking about the uh, mcgregor walk that he did after the second home run no i'm talking about i don't know i i saw it when he went into the batter's box before he hit anything, he did like a little helmet shake and kind of like a a little a little dance while he was in the batter's box. Mm. He wasn't. I, I didn't. I, I didn't see that. I only saw the uh, you know obviously the uh, the one eye thing as well as the McGregor walk he did after the second home run. Uh, but um, yeah, the whole sign stealing thing is fucking dog shit. Once again, uh, as we experienced last year with the whole uh, you can't hit on a 3-0 count while holding a lead, it's old man yells at Cloud. Literally all over again. Like, okay, I get it. You know, it's, it's kind of disrespectful, you know, to like, hey, uh, catcher, what are, you th- what, what are you throwing up? But, uh, okay, one, Tatis 
did he really look far enough to catch it? I mean, if anything, he saw Will Smith's shift, you know, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world because, you know, he, he can be doing a fake shift for all we know. And two, Will Smith should be doing better to hide the fucking signs. Is it that hard? I you know? don't I don't have any experience catching, but I know from watching other catchers, some some guys will put their glove all the way in the dirt. You know, they'll they'll set up, you know, as far as their actual stance, but they'll put their glove all the way in the dirt before the pitch, uh, so as not to give the batter any clue where they actually want the pitch to go. Yeah. And it's always this game where the player does want a tiny bit of an edge. I'm not saying Tatis did anything. But some things are just totally, you know, in the moment. And if Tatis did see, okay, he's a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, maybe that gives him a slight edge. But he, I don't think he has any idea what pitch is coming. And I don't think Bauer really thinks that. He's just kind of like laughing it off with him a little bit. And the fan base is, if they take anything into that, they're just being dumb and pedantic at that point. Yeah, I think um, I think it was John Boy when he did his breakdown. He said what likely happened is that Tatis uh, noticed that Bauer was uh, hitting a particular zone uh, when he was throwing his pitches, and so you know uh, Bauer went to the well one time too many, and you know Tatis made him pay for it. So you know it's it's one of those things too where these guys aren't alone out there. They have hitting coaches. They have you know, people that are telling him, okay, Bauer's going to probably want to do this. So they probably told him something along that line either before the game, or they could have even told him something, you know, in the dugout, and he might have, you know, thought about it and just looked over and been like, okay, he's going over there. Yeah, that's what they told me he's going to do. And then he, you know, bopped it out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think it's any big deal. I thought it was fun seeing all the, uh, you know, Tatis is now Bauer's father. <laughs> Uh yeah, uh, I was joking with you uh early in the week. Uh um Trevor Bauer has two dads on the on the Padres. <laughs> I I was looking I haven't found a good website for it yet. I was trying to see if uh Manny, you know, if he's still if he's still a father or if perhaps he, he put Bauer up and Tatis is taking him for this year. Uh... I, didn't see, I, didn't see, I didn't see Manny's numbers against Bauer in his two series. I was trying to find something uh, like player versus player. Manny got a hit or two against Bauer in the first series. Uh, in this series, he, I don't think he got anything against him. I didn't see him do anything in that game specifically. I don't remember anyway. I know. I think he struck out once in the in the second yeah. series, and like he just gave a nod to Bauer. Yeah, you know? I saw that. I definitely saw that head nod, and people were, you know, doing. They were showing that. I mean, that sign of respect. I know we they're, all, they're they're friends. Friends are yeah. off the field. They they like each other off the field, and it is cool to have that sort of rivalry, and to see all these things with Tatis. It's pretty fun. Um. Game four was coming on, and Tatis hit another home run. I had work that evening, and the Padres were actually on Sunday night baseball. And the score was 7-1 to one with Tatis's home run being the only uh, Padres run. And earlier in the game, the Dodgers had left, I think, the bases loaded twice. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who was pitching. Uh, 
was it Musgrove again? Or uh, Musgrove was pitching, yes. but then he got pulled out. He got pulled very early because he he loaded the bases twice, mm-hmm. and then you know the levy sort of broke. They gave up a bunch of runs in the middle innings, and then I had to go, and I was checking uh you know the score on my phone, and all of a sudden I see okay it's seven to one no it's seven to three now, and I was mm-hmm. like oh, and then it was seven to five, I believe in the eighth inning. And I was like, wait, <laughs> am I missing something important here? And it, it turns out I, I very much did, as that game is pretty fitting. The first game of the seven in uh, the overall series so far went to extra innings. And game seven, as it were, to break the tie so far, went into extra innings. The Padres tying it up seven to seven and you know continuing on there. So tell me what happened, Omar, <laughs> from your perspective. Yeah. Uh, when did I start watching? Uh, I, I started watching after, not during, but after Tati's homer off May. Definitely after that. Musgrove had already been taken out. Um, I saw uh, us give up seven runs. Uh, that was hard to watch. <laughs> uh, like, legitimately speaking, I just started laughing when I saw the home runs. I just like... <laughs> Uh, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I kept watching though, cause you know, like, what what else am I gonna do on Sunday night? You know, uh, and by the way, the Sunday night the regular broadcast, uh, was with um Matt Rescursion and uh and A Rod was horrible, cause A Rod was just uh I try not to hate him like most people do, but man, he was insufferable. Uh, so I switched to the ESPN2 cast, which was like a stat cast sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like they go really deep with analytics and all that stuff, which I really enjoyed because uh, I'm someone who likes that sort of stuff. And also the announcers weren't as terrible. So, yeah, so I started watching, uh, I believe. So it started with uh, Carantini uh, getting a, a two RBI single or double, which is really, good. Really quick before I forget this thought and before you continue on, I don't have cable so i uh, i have mlb tv i usually play uh padre games from there but uh this game was on espn so it was blacked out even for mlb tv so i had to find you know uh, a place to, <laughs> to watch it and i was just so upset cuz i was you know i was i was finding it on this you know different place and i had to listen to a rod and the dodgers like when they were on their run there before I left, A Rod was just saying something like, "That's baseball. That's baseball." And he's, he, he, he was just like so awful. Like at, at at some point he started talking about David Ortiz, which was like, like okay, don't get me wrong, I like David Ortiz, but like he compared what? the Padres Dodgers rivalry to the Red Sox and Yankees. Uh, he, no, no one cares about them. He went around in that, and I'm like. I- no one cares about the uh, the Yankees or the Red Sox, but them suck. I might stop. I think. <laughs> just, just shut up. Yeah, I, I hated that. Anyway, continue. Yeah, continue. yeah so uh, Carantini uh, drove two runs in, and then in the seventh, uh, and then in the ninth, uh, I'm reading the recap here on ESPN, uh, Carantini sk- singled, and he also scored uh, off of Tatis. I think it was. 
it was Tatis, Fam. I don't remember. I think those two were definitely involved, or Fam, Profar, whatever. Those guys got on base, and then Machado got Tatis home, which uh, tied the game. Uh, but then it went to extra innings, obviously. And man, extra innings was wild, just like the first game. Uh, so basically, at that point, both people's benches were burnt out. So in the top of the 10th, we had Ryan Weathers come in to pitch hit. Okay. Why, why the fuck not? Uh, he did. I mean, he did as well as you think he would. He, he fucking struck out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had a chance to uh, win in the tenth, but we choked it. Unfortunately, uh, Tatis, I believe, struck out to. Uh, I want to say not Trahan. I think Trahan or Price, one of the two. Trahan or Price. Trahan, yeah. Uh, and then, but at the bottom of the tenth. As well, uh, Dodgers had to uh, have Clayton Kershaw come in to pitch hit while the bases were loaded, I believe. Because we had uh, originally uh, it was just one guy or one guy on second. And then we intentionally walked two people in order to get to uh, Kershaw. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I understand going for the pitcher, but at the same time, Kershaw can rake. <laughs> Yeah, I did, see, I did see a fan graphs on this, and they said that was uh, the best decision they could have made because the other batters in front of him had a better chance of scoring, essentially, and the Padres couldn't give up any runs. They couldn't give up a, a sack, anything, because, of course, it's the bottom of the inning. Yeah. And they would have lost immediately at yeah. that point. But Tingler, say what you will about his managing and many people – have on reddit especially but uh good good decision right there you know it really worked out because tim hill who uh struggled sometimes uh he he started turning around uh game one of that series he was the pitcher on the mound for the crazy four six three play that we had that game so tim hill comes in and he's able to strike out kershaw and uh whoever the other guy next Peters, I think his name was. Okay. Um, random Dodger player. No one cares about them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he struck him out, and then in the ninth, we had we were able to score on a sack fly. Tatis was able. Tatis was on second to start of the inning. He uh, they walked first guy. I don't remember who it was. Uh, Grisham. They walked Grisham, and okay. then Grisham and Tatis did a double steal which is beautiful to watch. And then Hosmer uh, hit a sack fly in the deep center field, which gave Tatis the run. And then we had Melanson come in to shut the door. How amazing is it, really quick, that the Padres are stealing so many bases? I know at the time of the Dodgers series, they were leading the league in stolen bases. I haven't checked in the last two, after the last two games. Uh, I believe they're still leading. Uh, I think Profar added on to that tally today. He got a base. I would assume they're still leading it. Uh, uh, I think Hosmer, he, uh, he got a, what I like to call a free, free steal, because there was no one on third when he stole the base, <laughs> so he, he just walked. <laughs> No, the the Padres need to keep doing that. I think they're, you know, it's very interesting that I guess other teams are so worried about getting their guys thrown out 
but we even see guys like Manny that you know aren't typically the quickest guys, but they're they're still stealing bases completely fine. Uh, it's it's both a matter of obviously we have a lot of speed on the team. Uh, you know, Tatis, Grisham, Profar, uh, Cronenworth. You know, those people who can run. Uh, Mateo as well, actually, he can run pretty well. Yeah, uh, but also we just have very smart uh, base runners. You know, people like Machado, Hosmer. You know, who just understand it, when is the right time to do it and to pull the trigger and just get it. Well, I assume that's also the base, the the coaches, and things of that nature. You know, as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I saw someone. I think uh, it was on a game thread or something. They said, uh, "Hey, uh, you can't ground into double play when you steal a base." That is true. Uh, teams are, of course, trying to give, trying to make sure they don't lose the guys they have on base. And I guess that's why so many people have been talking about they've been changing the, you know, launch angles so they hit more fly balls rather than ground balls. But the Padres combining that with stealing bases means that their guys won't get picked off much either. They won't get caught out of place by ground balls and such. Yeah, something interesting we we did, you know, sort of today during our like, you know, the big inning when we scored a lot of runs is um I I mentioned um uh, a lot of those RBIs were from singles. You know, we loaded the base with singles. We got at least two RBIs from two different singles. And you know, obviously Manny Machado got that uh triple. You know, we had those uh two home runs as well. But a lot of it was like small ball style, you know, Tony Gwynn Esque, uh, getting on base, working, working the ba- the. Uh, let me for- let me rephrase that. Uh, running the bases, you know, just doing all this sort of crazy stuff, and it worked today, obviously. And I think there's certainly a place for that in today's MLB, and I'm happy the Padres are doing that because it makes things more exciting when you have a guy in first and you think there's a possibility that he can steal, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas usually you're not really on the edge of your seat until they have a guy in third and, you know, things of that nature. I think uh, someone mentioned that it might have been Don or uh, Don Rosillo or or I think it was Mark Sweeney. Uh, He was in for this series. One of them mentioned that, like, you know, uh, stealing bases is kind of discouraged in our new uh, analytic, sabermetric-esque style of play because, you know, you're likely to get thrown out. But, you know. We take that notion like, hey, it's a free base. If he can get on, we can get on, you know? Well, if everybody thinks uh, that people are afraid to steal bases, then the Padres bucking the trend will catch people off guard, at least for a bit. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, that pendulum pendulum has likely swung the other way where catchers and pitchers might be worried that the Padres will try stealing bases. I assume the Padres would try to steal a little bit less and then try to have the other team's pitchers make mistakes by throwing over too many times, not focusing on the batter at, at the actual plate, you know, trying to gain the advantage they can that way. And yeah. adding these mind games has to help the bat the batter at the plate a little bit. Someone made a really good breakdown on the uh, double steal. It was basically uh, the guy who was on the mound for the Dodgers uh, during that inning. Uh, I don't remember who his name was. Uh, he didn't uh, change up his routine when looking at Tatis. You know, he just 
He'd set up, look at him, throw the pitch. And he kept doing that. So Tatis was able to steal when he threw the pitch because, you know, hey, he's not checking for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Tatis and changing the subject just a little bit, there was a negative stat attributed to him over this series. He is leading the majors so far in errors. I personally think it's due to him, you know, starting off a little banged up and not having a full spring training. Oh, but yeah. he, is, he is leading the league in errors right now. So it, it made me think about, you know, okay, what has he done uh, in comparison to other years? How, how has his fielding been? In 2019, the most errors committed was 26 by Tim Anderson. He turned out all right. But he had 26 in a full season. Tatis in 2019 had 18 errors in 82 games, which is, of course, about half of a season. So his error rate was pretty high his rookie year. In 2020, of course, the shortened 60-game season, he did much better. He only had three errors through 57 games, which I assume you know, when extrapolated throughout a full season, that would be, you know, 13, 14, 15 errors, something like that, which is much lower for a full season. And so far in 21, uh, he is leading the league. He has through 15 games played now, he has nine errors. I wanted to know how you feel about Tatis on that side of the ball. He's hit seven home runs. No. Yeah, seven home runs. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're not kidding. He has hit seven home runs. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I told you before. Uh, told everyone before. Whatever. I'm gonna keep faith with him. You know, he's gonna be our guy, literally for the next 14 years. Um, you know, uh, one or two scenarios can happen. Either he'll just get out of this rut. You know, start next month anew and just. Uh, field a completely clean month, you know, and we'll all forget about those errors in the past. Or he'll continue to struggle, and you know, maybe we'll see him, you know, maybe be in the outfield or something. You know, the good thing about one, him being such a versatile player, and two, him being with us for so long, is we can afford to uh, put him somewhere else. And also, what helps that is our depth. Uh, you know, we can have Kim. Uh, Hi Sung Kim, who did play today, or uh, Jake Cronenworth come in at shortstop, you know, to cover for him. Or you know, we we have C.J. Abrams, one of our top prospects, who is a shortstop. We can have him called up, and you know, maybe see how he does. We had to see what happens with Tatis, you know, because I mean, he had an error today, which sucks. But uh, a little bit after that, in the same inning, he did turn a four-six-three double play. So you know. Minor details. <laughs> details, details. You know, it's so weird with him. He's an interesting case because I know he has the talent to, you know, make every throw that he can make at shortstop, you know, make every throw that should be humanly possible. I think, you know, sometimes he probably tries to make plays that, that he shouldn't be trying to make. He might be trying to do a little bit too much. He might be trying to do it a little too flashy. And I was thinking about it, you know, 
Machado has not been known as a guy that's like, you know, the famous quote is Johnny Hustle. You know, he's not a guy that runs out every ground ball that he hits, but I've never seen him, you know, lackadaisical fielding the ball. He's always there. You also brought up Cronenworth, and I thought it was very interesting because if I if I remember correctly, there were two gems he made in that Dodgers series. Oh, one, uh, yes. one was a turning to a double play where he, you know, the ball was like way out of his grasp and he just knotted it down and he picks it up with a glove and he flips it and it was a beautiful play. And the other one was a line drive that he laid out for and it was just like a split you know, 10th of a second thing that he somehow got yeah. to. Uh, those he, both happen in the game I intended. Uh, so, yeah, seeing those live, oh, man, just like the rush, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know what was uh, – the double play was crazy because, you know, the bases loaded were loaded at that time. And uh, I can't remember who was at the plate. Uh, not Mookie, uh, but someone of that caliber, yeah. I think. And – they hit it to him, and the exit velo was like a hundred something to Cronenworth, and somehow he was able to stop that. Get it to Tatis in time, and he was able to lay it off uh, to Hosmer, and just like that, that like I lost my mind during that play. Like holy hell! Yeah, he's he's special out there, and you know he's he's hitting well still this uh, this season so far. Yeah. Uh, the great the great thing about him, and also Kim uh, as well. Pretty much our whole infield is that they're very versatile, uh, with the exception of M- Machado, just because he's so good at third, and Hosmer, just because you know he's really reliable at first. Is that they can play anywhere? If, I mean, Machado plays right field, like <laughs> five at uh, the game. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm sorry. I had to say it. I don't like that shift. It's it's just so stupid. <laughs> I, I I hated it last year when they started doing it. You know, Kingler that was his first year, and I was, everybody was like, you know, raising their eyebrow. But then I would see Machado going into the first base outfield and the first base foul area, and he would be catching fly balls where normally they would just drop. You know, because usually a guy wouldn't be able to get there from either right field or first base. But for whatever reason, you know, analytics. They, they know that, okay, certain guys are going to put a ball here, but we also need to have the right fielder back because he could also hit it deep, and we need the first baseman at first base. So, yeah, let's just bring the third baseman over. It's so it's so dumb to look at. But I, but I, think, I think I told uh, a friend of mine, uh, my Dodger friend, actually, when we were there, because uh, they did the shift while we are playing, and he asked about it. I just like, look, they should just put – Okay, they could do they could do this whole fucking stupid thing. Mm-hmm. They they just need to put uh, Machado where Tatis is, Tatis where Cronenworth is, and Cronenworth where Machado is. If they're gonna do that, because it makes sense. But <laughs> but you know Machado, he is el ministro, ministro de defense or whatever. El ministro de defense. Ministro de defense. Yeah. Uh, for a Spanish speaker, I can't speak Spanish, but yeah. So yeah, I mean. Analytics are right about everything, you know? Why would we ever say they're not? It just looks really stupid, but then it gets the job done. I mean, that's baseball in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> okay, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> that Dodgers series was amazing. I'm going to share just a little story I have this week. 
And let me just preface this by saying I live in the Pacific Northwest. It's very rare I found I find baseball fans. They're either Mariners fans, Giants fans. I have met Dodger fans who have come up to me and be like, "Oh, you're from you're from SoCal. I'm a Dodgers fan." I'm like, "Uh huh, uh huh." Uh-huh. And I and under my breath, you know, in in my head, I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck you." You know, but I just, I just smile. I'm like, "Yeah, uh huh." But this year, uh, since the season started, I've already gotten like just random ass people in the Pacific Northwest are like, "Oh my God, did you see that Padres game? Did you see what the Padres did that other night?" And you know, I got. This week, just wearing, uh, you know, I have a mask and I went grocery shopping and I was wearing the combination hat, jacket and mask, Padres out, just getting my groceries. And I got I got three three people that were were going up to me uh, about the Padres. And the last one, like like one was an old guy and old guys will talk to you about baseball. But the last guy kind of it kind of struck me because it was like a. It was like a teenager and he was wearing like a like a skull mask. And, you know, if it was if it was before the pandemic, you'd be like, uh, what's this guy up to? But he he just like comes up to me. He's got like a he's got kind of like a mean gait to his walk. And he's like, hey, hey, yo. And I'm like, uh-huh. What's up? And I'm like, I'm like, what is he what is he going to do? Like, like thoughts go through your head. I'm like, I got I got groceries. What does he want? <laughs> And he's like, the Padres. Hey, I saw them play the Dodgers. They beat the Dodgers. They were doing well. And I'm like, yeah, they did. He's like, yeah, good. And, and he starts walking away. And, he, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you're in, obviously, if you're in California, it's obviously more likely. But I'm just saying that the Padres have become a million times more relevant over the last year or two. And it's great to see. Mm-hmm. I saw a quote from someone named Bill Center, which is an old guy. And he says, quote, I followed the Padres for almost seven decades or long before they were a major league team. I promise you, they've never played games of this intensity in April before. Never, never, never. End quote. And it just, it makes me happy as a fan that we can talk about these series and other people that aren't actual Padres media you know, like John Boy or whatever, actually care about what the Padres are doing. And it's pretty great to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in part due to the fact they were playing on Sunday Night Baseball, but they had, um, you know, they were talking about the Padres, you know, on like uh, whatever morning show uh, they do, uh, the one with uh, Stephanie Smith, you know, and it's like, Stephanie Smith, he's like the guy at ESPN right now to have him talk about the Padres, even though, Let's be honest here. He probably knows nothing about us. I have never heard him talk about the Padres. I used to watch his <laughs> stuff. His hot take skip on basketball all the time. He he didn't do the skip. That's somebody else. That's Shannon Sharp. Anyway. Yeah. He, um, he, would, he would always do hot takes. Never about baseball. So it's crazy for him to be talking about the Padres of all teams. Yeah. It's wild. So the Padres had a little bit of uh, roster moves. Uh, Austin Nola. Austin Nola. Nola. What, which one is it? Uh, I think it's Austin. Let me, it is let me Austin. Check. Austin Nola is the catcher that the Padres have. Aaron Nola is the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Are they brothers, though? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. They're related? Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes me feel less bad about uh, 
mixing them up. Austin Nola uh, has been activated. The Padres have been, you know, wanting him to come back for a long time because he's the more offensive catcher. Campusano was optioned to the uh, alternate site. And, of course, that means the Padres will have Nola and they'll still have Caratini uh, to take Darvish as well as probably one of the other uh, pitchers in the rotation, depending on how, you know, how quick they, how much workload Nola wants to take. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's great. You know, obviously, uh, I'm happy to see Nola back. I think he's always done really well for us. He had a pretty good spring until he got injured, unfortunately. Uh, I'm glad to see Caratini, you know, um, hopefully share an equal amount of workload. I feel like he's earned his spot as a um uh how do how do i say it not as a is it platoon guy or like just like switching around with nola a lot you know you know what i mean i don't know what the word is platoon would mean that he is kind of like at the end of the bench there i don't think that's fair to say in you know his role as you know catchers are definitely every team has two catchers and they don't make a they don't make their number one catcher go all five games yeah, so I don't absolutely. think it's quite the right word, but second catcher, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's definitely earned this spot. Uh, as for Capusano, you know, I think he'll be good, hopefully, but uh, especially with Caradini doing as well as he did, you know, Nola is always, uh, obviously our number one guy. Um, you know, it, yeah. It's unfortunate he has to be optioned out, but uh, I, I think it's for the best. Nola last season, uh, when he got acquired by the Padres, he did not have he did not have a great run with the Padres at the end of 2020, uh, in only in 19 games. So it's a very small sample size. It's less than the amount of games the Padres have already played this season. But he was hitting 222. Mm. So that spring training, a lot of people were, of course, very hopeful that he would you know be able to start off in San Diego and there wouldn't be any sort of transition. So he'd be able to, you know, be his normal self. He was in almost 300 as a Mariner before the Padres got him. I'm not sure if for Camposano, there was any sort of, you know, window. If Camposano did really well, for instance, if there would have been some sort of hesitation for the Padres to bring Nola back uh, when they're bringing him back. But I'm happy to see Nola. You know, it's not great for Camposano, but this is how things go. I'm hopeful that Nola, if he does, you know, 95%, 90% as well as he was doing before the Padres got him on the Mariners, it's going to be great because we'll have a better bat, honestly. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Carantino, but in terms of batting, Nola is probably a lot better. Uh, Carantino, um, if he's only catching uh you know let, let's say uh nola catches for snell paddock and uh weathers or lament we'll see whoever takes that spot mm-hmm. and caratini catches for darvish and musgrove you yeah, know probably do two out of the five man yeah and you know because personal catcher and uh he's definitely catching musgrove now after the whole no hit thing <laughs> but yeah uh if he does that then i think i think it'll be really good because you know nola uh, you know, Nola will be able to bat more often, which is which will be pretty good. And Carantini, you know, 
will will also be able to be clutch and not get tired out as much because he's not really used to being the starting man uh, at the Cubs. Uh, he wasn't the starting guy there. He was just uh, Darvish's catcher and, you know, the occasional backup guy. Yeah. So, yeah. One thing about the National League, and this was not true na- last year. It was. It's certainly true this year, and it's been true every other year of the National League, is that because pitchers normally aren't very good at hitting, you have kind of a hole at the end of your lineup. There's not too many catchers that hit for a great average either. So it makes it a lot easier for teams to get out of the back end of your lineup. And the Padres, you know, whoever's hitting seventh, if he's not doing well, then you have seven, eight, and nine as guys that, you know, you put them up there five times and they might get on once. Mm -hmm. So if you have that catcher spot doing well, then it makes it a lot a lot easier to keep stringing these innings and keeping them, uh, keeping them going. Yeah, I think uh, Karen Tini he did pretty well today. I think he got on base at least twice. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, on the fourth game against the Dodgers, uh, he scored, uh, he scored a two RBI single and was got on base for that ninth inning, I believe. Karen Tini tonight had three at bats, uh, one hit, two walks. So, according to that, he got on three times, and he scored twice. Yeah. So that's that's obviously a great a great uh, yeah. great line there. Yeah. Uh, who's up next? Uh, Darvish is up next on the rotation, right? Let me see here. Because I believe they said Lamette will pitch Saturday or Sunday. I think. Right. So the Padres' next game is on Friday. They had 17 games in 17 days, and that, that is thankfully over. They had a rest day on Monday. They played two against the Diamondbacks. They have now rest. Uh, as of recording, it would be tomorrow for us on Thursday. On Friday, they play a regular three-game series against the Giants, and they have the probable starters up for the Padres. They have Darvish going against Logan Webb, and on May 1st, they do have Blake Snell going against Anthony De Sclafani. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And mm-hmm. they don't have anyone for the third, which means it could be Denelson Lament. Yeah. So um, before we touch on Denelson Lament, because you know I know you wanted to talk about his injury, uh, I could see Darvish catching on Friday, and then Nola can have his first start of the year because he's already activated off the IL. He did pinch it uh, today, and he also played second in the last inning or last two innings. So, yeah, so, you know, I can see him making his first full start on Saturday. Even just to have Nola as a pinch hitter a little bit here and there will help the Padres a bit because, you know, in the Dodgers series we had, uh, I believe, was it Musgrove came in as a pinch hitter as well? Uh, Ryan Weathers. Ryan uh, Weathers. Okay. Uh, funny, funny you mentioned that. Musgrove today came in as a pinch runner. That's where I was thinking it. Yeah. So, so, so his career pitchers, uh, coming in and doing batter things. It's good to have a good batter coming in. <laughs> his career as a Padre is wild. He, he threw our first no hitter. Uh, he played uh, like he played outfield during that first Dodger game in which uh, Jake Cronenworth had to pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and he came in as a pinch runner for Tommy Pham, who uh, was hobbling a bit, <laughs> and he scored a run. <laughs> you know, there was that, I'm not sure if you were following baseball at this time, it was a few years back, there was a, a thing that Will Ferrell was doing. Of course, he's a famous celebrity comedian slash uh, actor. And he played for nine different teams in spring training, a game that didn't matter. He played for nine different teams in nine different positions, like for an inning each. Yeah. It was, it was a big thing. And, you know, the whole idea was to show that he could, he could, you know, get a baseball card with everything and <laughs> a different jersey with every team. And it, and it, you know, it was, it was funny for a day or two. But I wonder how close Mus. Uh, I wonder how close Musgrove is going to get if the Padres keep, you know, playing him around like this. <laughs> Honestly, just stick him at first base. You know, why not? I mean, he's already played one outfield position, so there's no reason that he wouldn't be able to play at least the other corner outfield. I wouldn't put him at center field. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But you know, you could put him at first base. You could put him at the other outfield position. So that's. You know that's already three different fielding positions, so he's getting he's getting closer to that sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, we talk about two way players now becoming a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is taking it a bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the Padres, you know, should be a little bit worried about injuries. Speaking of injuries, first off, I'm going to eat crow and say Tatis. Yeah, he's healthy. <laughs> I was very really, worried really. Are you are you sure? <laughs> My next one that I might have to eat crow with next week is Denelson Lamette. He's coming back and he's potentially starting this weekend on Sunday. We don't know that yet. We know that he threw a uh, he threw a session and they were very pleased with how it went. So they're hoping that you know what happened last time he went out there was just a hiccup. And it's not something that we need to really worry about. So he'll be ready to go. But again, to to piggyback on what I said last time, I I'm worried that the Padres are rushing him. I'm worried that he might be rushing himself. And you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. How do you yeah. feel about it? Uh, I mean. You know, um, see what happened with Tatis. You know, everyone thought, oh, he's going to need surgery. He's going to be out for the whole season. And now he just needed to adjust the swing. <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe that's the same deal with the, uh, with uh, Denelson Lamette. You know, he just had to adjust something. Or, you know, that particular day, he just got unlucky. Uh, personally, I think we should not necessarily, like, just have him for one inning and take him out. Just, you know... Let him pitch a few innings, see where he's at. If he's doing okay, maybe keep him in a bit longer, depending on you know how we're doing. If we're doing really well, like we're ahead by ten runs, you can mm-hmm. afford to take him out. I guess it depends, because you know we don't want to risk the chance of getting someone injured. You know, obviously Ryan Weathers, he came down with some arm soreness, so we'll have to see if that's something similar. You know, maybe he's just having an off day or whatever. Weathers we- was already on a you know. A pitch count limit. I think they only wanted him to throw about eighty pitches in any outing, so that is worrying because that might drop that even a little bit more. I'm sure to to go with what you're saying, 
that Lamette they'll be they'll be eyeing him very similarly. Probably won't let him get out of five. Yeah. I doubt they'll let him get out past that. Yeah. So that, um, knock on wood, he'll be fine. He'll pitch a good game. Everything will go grow go go well. Yeah. I, I do cool. hope you're right. The Padres will be playing the Giants this weekend, and it turns out to be a much more important series than I think we would have thought it to be. The Giants actually lead the division by tiebreaker. They're 16 and 9 so far. They've been absolutely, you know, exceeding expectations right now. The Padres putting some losses on the Dodgers certainly helped the Giants move up, but they've been seven and three in their last ten games. The Giants The so Dodgers now, also lost two, uh, I believe two to the Reds uh yes. the past few days. So that also helped. Yes, the the Dodgers have been three out of their last ten, three and seven. So the Padres, you know, it's not gonna be an easy series against the Giants. And I want to see what the intensity level's like from the players if they, you know, just feel like it's a late April series or if, you know, the Giants try to try to kind of prove themselves a little bit more here and, you know, keep control of the NL West. Yeah, Um, I'm hopeful that our boys will do good. Um, Given how good the Giants have been and, you know, given that, we can sometimes be a bit bipolar with our form. Uh, I can see them getting a game, but I think um, I don't want to say they win the series automatically. You know, I think, I think we got to, if we play with against them with the same intensity, we played the Dodgers, then I think we have a chance. Well, I mean, we certainly have a chance. I don't expect it to be a sweep in either, in either direction. I do hope the Padres win two out of three. Mm-hmm. But I would not be surprised if the Giants, with how hot they've been, take the series two out of three. I do hope that the Padres do really well with their their aces, if you want to call them that, on Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, changing pace a little bit. Omar, is there anything else in the world of baseball or otherwise that's caught your eye in the last week? Uh, well, I wanted to talk about umpires, but we're kind of... Uh... Uh, going on for a bit. So I'll save that for maybe next week or whenever, because uh, more than likely umpires will still suck next week. Starting next week, did umpires poison your food supply? <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, just looking around the league, mm-hmm. uh, I believe the Royals, the Royals still have the best record in baseball. They've done either really well or taking advantage of a weak division. They're 15 and 8 right now leading the majors. Mhm. Overall, yeah. you know the the Giants and Dodgers are both 16 and 9, the Red Sox are 16 and 9 and the A's are 15 and 10. So those all those teams are also very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the, the NL East is kind of wild. Uh the Braves and the Phillies are both on top, 12 and 12, both of them. Uh, and the Brewers are 14 and 10 right now, obviously helped by that sweep they got against us, but let's not think about that. Yeah, I definitely thought that the NL East, I think they'll, I think those three teams, the Phillies, Braves, and Mets, will all be pretty good. So they're just not doing so well out the gate. And of course, the Nationals are still not very far off from a World Series title. 
uh, in the past. So the Marlins made the playoffs last year. I thought the NL NL East was going to be a very good division. Maybe they're all just beating each other up right now. I, I obviously don't care enough to look at each individual case. One yeah, thing I did want to note is that for, you know, the power rankings that we do, I actually put the Padres in fifth. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. You put you put the Dodgers at first, and I was like, this fucking dude. So, unfortunately, <laughs> I have put the Dodgers in first pretty much, I want to say, since midpoint of last year because they've just Boo. been – yeah, and I'm not, you know, I try to I try to be unbiased. If I if anything, I would say I bias the Padres lower in the rankings perhaps than a non-biased person. I was looking at the Padres and I didn't think they were still second best in the whole majors, but that's, that's where fair. we have them as a consensus. I had the White Sox jumping them because the White Sox, I believe, were the closest team in the rankings that had a good week previous week they're they're not doing amazing i guess overall still they're 12 and 10 but they're they're doing well i had the royals jump them because as you said the royals have been great and i had the a's jump them because the a's had just finished that 12 or 13 game winning streak so i felt like all those teams had a better reason to be above the padres in in how i felt about it but again the padres it's crazy that people think that there's the second best team in the majors. You know, that's some sort of consensus that we have. And it speaks volumes about how people are perceiving the team nationally and perceiving them as a contender. I will say, um, especially because, you know, we did have that. Uh, we did lose the. We did lose the first series to the Dodgers. And then we got swept by the fucking Bureaus. Uh, but then we did win the other season against the other series against the Dodgers. You know, I say we third or fourth. I will agree. Dodgers at first, um, because they struggled against the Mariners. Uh, they split the series with them, and then you know they lost the series to us. I would have said they were second. But here's the thing: I don't know who to put at first. But uh, I'll see. I that's know? I think that's the problem. If you don't have someone, it's got to be like a knockout scenario to get the team that's up there on the top out of there and i can say this from experience like four or five years ago when i started doing the padres when i when i became their representative don't work with the mlb but for reddit uh to to write these rankings the padres were dead last i want to say for half of the season it took a very long time for them to get out of number 30 even if i was ranking them you know better than that because people just had that perception until some other team, I think it was the Tigers, would just lose like five straight and the Padres would go three and three. So it took a few weeks of that in a row before people were like, okay, the Padres are 29th this week and not 30th. <laughs> so anyway, the inverse is also true is what I'm saying. It'll take the Dodgers either doing very badly or it'll take a team just being knockout amazing to disthrone them especially since they're the world champions still <laughs> honestly it is crazy though you know it's a sign of the times the padres are perceived as a top five baseball team you know that like, is crazy that that has pretty much only happened like you can you can count the amount of times on your finger that that has happened in our entire franchise history. I'm I'm, I'm gonna say that it's never happened because, uh, 
you know, this is an old head thing that I wasn't even alive for really. In uh, 98, I was, you know, four or five years old and I didn't, I didn't know anything about baseball at the time. And I know just from what I've learned about the Padres since is that in 1998, the Yankees were far and ahead, the most dominant team the whole year. And of course, the Padres ran into them, but to run into them, the Padres had to beat, I believe it was the Astros, who were just amazing, and the Braves, who were also, you know, at the time they had Maddox and they had, you know, all these guys that were just amazing. So the Padres at that point were not seen as the best team in the National League. They kind of came up into this playoffs and they had to beat these teams that were perceived as better than them. So they were the very big underdogs against New York. So they weren't, they probably might have just barely been in the top five, but they were, you know, not the top team. They were not a contender in that year. The only other year the Padres made the World Series was way back, obviously, before either of us in 1984. And I know for a fact, again, the Tigers were the best team. They were dominating. They eventually won the World Series over the Padres. But that year, the National League's team to beat was the Cubs. And the Padres mm-hmm. hadn't had any success in the major league level at that point. And they were down 2 nothing in a series. And I believe everybody ripped them off. <laughs> but, you know, the Padres came up and won three straight to continue at the, at the time. The Cubs' cursed lineage uh, to be to beat them. So, long story short, no. The Padres, for no long portion of time, have ever been perceived as a top two or three team in uh, baseball. It's a good feeling. It's very surprising. Very surprising. But it's, it's a good surprising. Anyway, Omar, is there anything else you'd like to let the viewers know? Viewers, uh, listeners? Fellow viewers, uh critics and family friends who happen to find this uh i hope y'all have a a good week uh watching baseball or whatever you do and we will see y'all in the next podcast yep i want to thank everyone for joining us whether you're san diego at home or san diego heart thank you for being with us from the start thank you for listening to this episode of the far away friars podcast see you all soon See ya.